Awesome. So this morning I just wanted to share um, some things that I've been musing on, in particular at about 5 p.m. yesterday afternoon when I was at Bunnings and the kids were on the playground, I decided to write my sermon, as you do. So just uh, again, talking about the kingdom of God, sorry to bore you with the same, you know, same topic all the time, move on Brad. Surely Jesus preached about other things as well. Uh, But I want to read from Galatians 5. Starting at verse 1, it says, this is from, I've got a couple of different translations. This is the Amplified. It says, in this freedom, Christ has made us free and completely liberated us. Stand fast then and do not be hampered and held and snared and submit again to a yoke of slavery, which you have once put off. And the message says, Christ has set us free to live a free life, so take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. So I just wanted to talk about this uh, significant dynamic of the kingdom, which is freedom. That Christ has come to set us free, and when Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. Absolutely. And I think it's something, again, uh, can become a a cliche kind of Christian phrase, uh, and yet I think too often we live um, sometimes aware of bondage and unaware of those places where we're trapped. Um, Romans fourteen seventeen says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So three things that Paul points out, in this verse that the kingdom of God is, and that is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now those things, it's important to understand, are three internal realities. Okay. So you can behave righteously, you can do righteous things, but righteousness is an internal reality. Yeah, joy. Well, joy, you can have an expression of joy, but is joy an external and internal reality? It's an internal reality. So Paul is pointing out three dynamics of the kingdom and they're all internal realities. And the fact is that the kingdom of God comes first in us before it's manifest around us. Yes, so the, and, I mean, the spirit of God has come and, and he makes his home in us. But these three elements of righteousness, peace and joy in particular must be internal manifestations before they become external ones. Which means that a lot of the intent and pursuit in our life is about fixing our internal reality. I know we talk a lot about this sort of stuff and it's heart ministry and uh, I think sometimes it can get put into the basket of, of pastoral ministry. And, and it is, it is, a, it is an, a dynamic of that when we talk about true kind of kingdom pastoral ministry. But the reality is it's so much bigger than that. It is... Being formed in the likeness of Christ is that internal transformation. But even the kingdom of God coming is an internal reality. So the kingdom of God must first come to our hearts before it comes anywhere else. To be a releaser of the kingdom, you must first be a partaker and a beholder of the kingdom. So again, I think a lot of people can run off and, are oh, we doing lots of kingdom things? And you know, it's 
Paul didn't say in Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is signs and wonders and healings and spectacular events and mass evangelistic crusades. He said it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, part of the expansion of the kingdom might involve large evangelistic crusades. It might involve those outward realities and signs and wonders certainly follow those who believe. But the kingdom of God and the expansion of the kingdom is person to person, in place to place, being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Because you don't have a kingdom without a king. And the kingdom reflects the king. So to be a kingdom people is to be a people that reflect the king. But we cannot go about releasing the kingdom of God until we partake of it and we behold it. We see it and we're changed into the likeness of it. Because we can take a principle and we can replicate a principle. But in the kingdom, we're supposed to be reproducers, not replicators. Yeah? So to reproduce something is to take it in and then to put it out again. So when a tree, you know, it reproduces fruit, you know, it's, it's taking in nutrients and it's putting out the fruit and the seeds in that fruit fall to the ground. You know, the, when it comes to humans, you know, reproduction is, is the taking of oneself and, well, you know, the two coming together and then being formed and then giving out of itself. I had kind of one of those, you know, freak, freak out moments a couple of weeks ago where I looked at Noah and Micah were in the living room and I looked at them and I was just like, I made them. So weird. Like literally so weird. Like part of me was reproduced and part of Lisa was reproduced and it created a whole nother human being. We've created three human beings do you know how spectacular that is? It's so awesome. But there's a difference between, you know, replication and reproduction. Sorry, reproduction. New word for you. And that's what we're supposed to be. And again, I think sometimes people can run, a, run around replicating the kingdom, but they're not reproducing the kingdom. They're not taking an internal reality and seeing it manifest in the world. And ultimately, it can catch up to you because, and this is where we get hypocrisy, is when what is being proclaimed doesn't match up with, with what is being beheld in that person. Okay, So they know all the right things to say. We can know all the right scriptures to quote. We can know all the right things that we're supposed to do. But we haven't partaken of that reality of the kingdom of God in its fullest sense. You know, we don't want to become like a salesman selling a product that they don't use themselves. You know, it's like if you're a Holden car salesman and that's what you work for, but you'd never buy a Holden, you drive around in a Ford. You know? I mean, that's logical, obviously, isn't it? But, uh... So the kingdom of God is internal freedom. Internal freedom releases us from bondage and oppression. Internal freedom releases us from that. Even when our circumstances go bad, our internal world determines our response to our circumstance. So whatever is in you is going to manifest in an, when there's an external pressure. Okay? When something comes against you externally, it could be you know, financial lack, it could be relational conflict. Whatever is most alive in you is what's going to come out of you. That's what you're going to become most aware of. To have a free heart is not to be emotionless, 
It's to be free in your emotions and not have your emotional state controlled by other people. So to be a free person internally means your heart is free, but it's not that you then become sort of, you know, blank face, no emotions. It just means that my, your emotions don't become controlled by anybody. That nobody determines how you respond to a situation. So did Jesus have emotions? Did Jesus have emotions? Yeah. Were his emotions controlled by other people? No, he determined how he responded in a situation. He determined because what was going on in his heart was, was the fullness of God, the heart of God, the reality of the kingdom, and that's why he was releasing it to people. When he said, when he proclaimed the kingdom of God, he said the kingdom of God is at hand. And why was it at hand? Because he was there. It was that manifest reality of the, the, his incomplete internal world was the fullness of God. The fullness of God dwelt in Christ. In him was the fullness of God. Okay? So when he presented to people, he was presenting the kingdom of God, the fullness of God, because it was manifest in his life. And it came out through his life. And so it's not to be an emotionless people, but it's to have emotions, but it's never to, be, to respond in an unrighteous way. Because that fullness of the kingdom is being manifest in us. So bondage happens... When an external force gains control over us. So this can happen in demonic oppression and attack. Okay, when people are placed in bondage because of choices that they've made. So we, uh, we, we, the enemy can't take authority from us. Okay, but we can give it away. So Adam and Eve in the garden, they chose to give away the authority that they kept. God gave them dominion over all creation. Okay, and that was part of their role was to take dominion over the earth, was to take that small reality of the kingdom and to see that expanded, to take dominion. Okay? And they gave away that authority. They gave away that mandate and that mantle. And in the same way for us, for an individual, people don't become demonically oppressed, usually unless they give away in some way. So it's a choice to give away that authority. So this can happen. But I believe more often than not, we're not taken captive, but we actively hand ourselves over to be held hostage. So I think more often than not, in our lives, the oppression that we might feel internally, because who's aware that the most hardship that we go through is probably not in, in the society that we live in, is probably not us you know, in starvation. I mean, you might say, man, I was starving this week. You probably weren't starving. <laughs> you just oh, I haven't eaten for like two hours. Um, you know, like it's probably not starvation. It's not, it's not war. There's not a lot of physical kind of trauma that's happening to you every day. It's not, you know, fear that your house is going to get blown up or, or, or something like that. Okay? But I think, in, you know, for us, it's, it's generally an internal pain. It's the hardship that we feel. It's, it's the disappointment. It's the lack. It's fear. It's relational conflict, it's breakdown, it's unmet needs. It's all of these things that are, are probably the, the hardest things that we struggle with. And even if we're maybe going through a financial strain, it's generally the internal impact that concerns us most. Because I'm, I'm worried, I'm concerned, I have fear. And that's exposing, but it's, it's generally not the fact that we've got to a financial point where, you know, where we actually can't afford anything. So it's this internal reality. But I believe more often than not, we're not taken captive. We actively hand ourselves over to be held hostage. 
So when we delegate the responsibility of our internal world and our heart's responses to another, we voluntarily place ourselves in bondage to our external environment or to other people. Okay? You got that? When we delegate the responsibility of our internal world and our heart's responses, so we hand away, we say, I'm not going to be responsible for my heart, I'm not going to be responsible for my internal world, and I delegate that responsibility, often we're not aware of it, to other people, we actually place ourselves in bondage, either to the external environment or to other people. Okay? So then I start to, I respond to my circumstance or I respond to other people dependent upon how they are treating me. Okay? So I don't say, well, I, I almost it's like involuntary how I respond. So when we blame our circumstances or other people for our emotional responses and actions, we are delegating responsibility to another and removing our ability to respond freely. Okay? So when I give to you, I can give to another person the responsibility for my internal world. So self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Okay, So a fruit of the, the reality of Holy Spirit in our lives is that we would have self-control. Okay, And not just self-control over our actions, but again, are our actions a manifestation of our internal will? Yeah. Do we act based upon desire? Or do our arms and legs just move however we want them, you know, like without control? No, we generally decide how we respond in a situation. Okay? Unless, so again, if, you're, if you get angry in a situation, somebody could get angry and it could be a demonic oppression or possession that's causing them to go into a, some sort of crazy rage and do things and they're almost unaware of what they're doing in that situation. Okay? But generally, if I get angry... If I'm, you know, if I'm working on the car and the spanner keeps slipping off and I get angry and I throw that spanner and I say bad words, hypothetically, um, you know, that's, that's, that external expression is, is the ex it's an internal reality that's going on, okay? I'm getting frustrated, I'm getting annoyed. Um, some of you will probably remember the story that I shared on the retreat, which we don't, we don't need to recap that, but... Um, Anyway, <laughs> sorry? Yeah, yeah. No, no. Someone can share the meme with you. Yeah. So self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. So we're supposed to control our internal world. We're supposed to have self-control. Again, not just of our behaviors, but if we want to control our behaviors, we need to control our hearts, okay? Because that's where it's coming from. So no one can make you feel a particular way. They can do something that causes you to manifest your feelings or behaviors in a particular way, but it is simply an exposure of your internal world that they are activating. I'll say it again. No one can make you feel a particular way. They can do something that causes you to manifest your feelings or behaviors in a particular way, but it's simply an exposure of your internal world that they are activating. I cannot make you angry, as an example. But I can behave in a particular way and you can choose to be angry in response to my behavior. Okay? So I could do something that makes somebody angry. I could literally stand here and do something and it would make one person angry and it would make another person, they wouldn't even notice it. I've been in situations, you know, one person gets offended, another person, well, I, didn't even, I didn't think twice about it. You know? 
And that's the reality because whatever I'm doing is just sparking something in that person's internal world, sparking something in their heart and they're causing to respond out of that. But see, part of this delegation of responsibility for our internal world is when I start saying, no, well, you made me angry. Essentially, what I'm saying is you somehow figured out how to reach into my soul and my heart and my brain synapses and, and fire off electrical impulses and stir up all of these emotions and drew that out of me. I was completely, I had no ability to change any of that. You came in, you took control of me and you made me behave in a particular way. You offended me. Somebody can't offend you. Somebody can't offend you. You can be offended by somebody's behavior, but that's in you. And that's how you choose to respond to the situation. Somebody, again, can't reach in and, and you know, place offense in you to be then come out of you. But this is part of the thing. I think even in our language sometimes, we have this language where we're constantly giving away responsibility of our, of our responses to situations. So when we use language like, you made me, dot, 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 we are declaring that at some point we handed over the responsibility to another. So we lost our response ability. Response, space, ability. Yeah, that's your ability to respond. So when you're responsible, you are able to respond. Okay, you have, that's what responsibility is. But when I hand over that responsibility to you, I lose my ability to freely respond to a situation. And I'm bound to respond however my internal world would determine for me to respond. So if I have an offendable heart, and then you do something, it's just going to spark that and I'm going to come out in offense. If I have a, a fear of rejection, and I might be completely unaware of it, but if I have a fear of rejection, there's, it's like a ticking time bomb just waiting to go off. And at some point, you'll do something that will light the, the wick and will burn down and I'll explode. And I could say, you rejected me. You made me feel rejected. You made me feel this way. You're in control of my emotions because I'm not willing to be responsible for my internal world. So you're to blame. You're to blame for how I feel. Yeah. Anyone ever uttered those words? Plenty of times. Yeah, plenty of times. But the reality is what I'm saying is I have no control as to how I, over how I respond. Which is true in some sense because you've delegated that responsibility and essentially you've put yourself in bondage to other people. You've put yourself in a place of slavery to other people and they are going to determine your emotional state and it's not how you're designed to live. It's not freedom. Now, we know people can become emotional manipulators and all of that sort of stuff. So sometimes people actively can try and find ways to control people emotionally. Yeah? It's called advertising. Um, <laughs> but it is in, in, in relationship. You know, we, I think, you know, again, part of one of the, the um, refining elements of... Uh, of marriage is, you know, and, and it's part of the sanctification process, I, I think, that the Lord uses to, to expose those things. But, um, but sometimes, you know, we can learn in those kinds of environments, in close relational environments, and we, we start to learn how manipulative we can be emotionally, 
how we can, we can fit, because we get to know that person well, that we know the particular words that we could say really to get our way. But we're trying to, to suppress them and put them in a place of bondage. But if the other person's free, then they won't come under that. So we lose our responsibility and therefore we end up with response inevitability. So instead of responsibility, we have response inevitability. Our responses to people or situations become uncontrollable because we have given over control. We said, I'm going to put the responsibility for my emotions, for my heart health in your hands. And so you better look after it. And again, I think sometimes is why people end up wounded by relationship after relationship after relationship. Because I think, well, I trust it again. Okay, well, yeah, that's, that's good. Trust is part of it. But if you're irresponsible and you're not taking responsibility for your own heart, you, you, it's not up to them to look after you. You know how I find it very taxing to be in relationship with insecure people. Bill Johnson says insecurity is is just simply putting your security in the wrong place. And what happens sometimes is when you come into a relationship with insecure people, they put their security in you. And they put the responsibility for their internal world in, on you. And now you have to do everything in your power to say all the right words and to do all the right things and to not do certain things in order to make them feel safe. But again, inevitably, you're going to do something. You're going to be tired one day or you're not going to know about some deep root of rejection or some issue. You're going to do something that's going to stir that up. And guess who gets the blame? You do. You could try your hardest, but if somebody has delegated the responsibility of their heart over to you, and again, this is a reality in relationship. We don't get to choose who delegates their heart responsibility to us. You know, people will just do it. They'll put it on you. Then when... The poop hits the fan, the the target's on your back. So that's just the reality of life that we've got to deal with. But for us as a community, let's be a people who walk in freedom, which is the kingdom of God, which is an internal reality first before it comes an external reality so we can live in freedom in our responses to other people. That we can love freely, If we get angry, it doesn't manifest itself in unrighteousness. We get to choose how we respond to a situation. So in demonic oppression, this can literally be the case. But most often, I think it's simply a matter of how we think that leads us into emotional and behavioral responsibility. So again, if somebody is in a place of demonic oppression or demonic possession... They are, in some ways, they don't have ability to control themselves sometimes because there's literally an, an internal spiritual force that's determining how they respond to something. So we all understand that there's, there's that element to it. But I think most of the time, even again, we'd say, it's like the devil made me do it. You know, like I feel this demonic attack. It's like, well, still, we have authority in that situation. So unless you're talking about that the devil, I, I, I you know... I'm having a really bad day. What did you do yesterday? Well, I made a pact with the devil. Okay, well, let's deal with that bit, and then you might feel a bit better. But apart from that sort of stuff, again, most of the time, I said, well, I'm free to respond. I should be free to respond. However, I would want to respond to that situation. So we think we are not responsible, and so we act accordingly. 
Again, I think it's something where we're not, we're not actually bound, but we think that we're not responsible for our internal state, but other people are responsible to make me happy and to not make me sad. Okay, so we delegate the responsibility and we put ourselves in submission to other people. We put, a yoke, we put ourselves under a yoke of slavery, as Paul would say in Galatians. Because he's saying, well, the Spirit of God, you're being set free, now you've got to continue to walk out that freedom. But again, freedom isn't... I mean... Paul, Paul's writing a lot, Paul would say he's a free man, but he's writing a lot of these letters from prison, okay? So his circumstance doesn't match up, but his internal world is like he's free. So he's free from, from all of the, the impact of that external reality. So another element of handing over responsibility for our internal world is we become stuck in whatever state of maturity that we're currently in, because without acknowledgement of our position... We cannot navigate to the next position, okay? So if, if you're lost, you're like, I'm lost, Brad, and I hand you a map, okay? The map is of no value to you unless you know where you are on the map, okay? It's just a piece of paper with some lines and drawings on it. It is, of, it is completely irrelevant to you. Without knowing where am I on the map, I can't navigate to that next place. So again, when we delegate that, the responsibility for our hearts to other people, we don't have that capacity to determine what's actually going on inside of me. So when someone behaves in a particular way and it causes me to respond in a particular way, if my immediate action is to blame them for how I'm feeling, I lose all reference for what's going on in my heart. I lose that reference point. But if someone behaves in a particular way and I feel an emotional response in me, something gets stirred in my heart, and my first port of call is to say, where am I? Why am I responding like that? Why did that thing that they did, which really in, in the scheme of things isn't such a big deal, or maybe it's a really big deal, but why am I responding the way that I am? What's going on in my heart? And as soon as I can internalize in a healthy way, and dialogue with God, God, what is going on in my heart? I immediately have a reference point on the map. I say, wow, God, I'm responding to what that person said because I'm insecure. Okay, thank you, Lord, I'm insecure. So I know it's actually got nothing to do with them. And they might be completely unaware of what they said. Or they might be very aware of what they said, and they were deliberately trying to make me feel insecure. And that's irrelevant to the situation. Because whether it was an accident or whether it was an intentional thing, I get to choose how I respond. And I go, okay, wow, I'm insecure. Okay, so thank you, Lord. God, heal my heart. Move me to that next place on the journey. Mature me into that place. God, I thank you. And we can then walk through steps of, I thank you, God, for who I am. I declare, you know, declarations of yourself, prayer, prayer ministry, going deeper things. Why am I insecure? You know, getting to the deeper roots of that sort of stuff. And if it's, unintentional then it's like oh god well I, there's no need for me to to deal with anything there and if it's intentional then i can have compassion for that person because i'm not responding in offense i'm not responding in attack but i can go wow father i think that person's trying to manipulate me with their words and i thank you god that i'm free from that person's manipulation but father god i feel so sorry for them lord and not in a like oh i feel sorry but like it can it allows us to be to have compassion stirred in our hearts for someone else's brokenness as Jesus hangs on the cross and it says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Which in some sense, they knew exactly what they were doing. 
No, if you'd asked them, oh, you guys don't know what you're doing. No, no, we're crucifying you. Pretty sure that was intentional. You know, it wasn't actually, Jesus, how did you get up there? Like, you know, they, they knew exactly what they were doing. But Jesus knew that they didn't know what they were doing. There was a, there was a whole set of values that, that the religious leaders and the people there were operating in. And there was a whole deeper level of stuff going on that caused them to behave in such a way. And I don't, and, you, and we can say, you know, if they, if they knew who it really was, they wouldn't have crucified him. I go, well, yeah, absolutely. But regardless of who he was, whatever Jesus did stirred something in them. It made them jealous. It made them angry. It made them fearful of the influence that they had in the, in the religious kind of arena. I'm like, we've got to, like it's in scripture, we've got to do something about this guy. He could start, you know, getting followers and you know, then they go into the, you know, to the Romans, like he could start a riot. He could gather a whole crowd of people and you're, you know, there's going to be an uproar here. Some of the stuff he's teaching we don't like. It sparked their pride. So they crucified Jesus, not because, I don't think even because he proclaimed himself to be king. They just didn't like him because the way that he lived stirred up something inside of them. Now this is Jesus Son of God, perfect. So again, in relationship, unless we can somehow become more perfect than Jesus, you're going to do stuff that's going to stir things up in other people. I've seen it where sometimes someone's freedom. Have you ever had that where someone's just like, maybe we don't acknowledge it, but it's like, it's actually their freedom. Oh, it annoys me so much. Because <laughs> I can't be free like them. And I can use, I can make up excuses and judgments. I can put judgments on them as to why they're like that and what they're doing or they're just out for attention or whatever. It's like, no, maybe they're just actually free. And that bothers me because I'm not. So I'll judge them and that'll make me somehow feel better. So as I said, emotional and behavioral irresponsibility causes us to lose our place on the map. We lose our ability to rightly discern the goings on of our heart. So our emotions are an interface. They're not the truth, and they're usually the fruit of a deeper reality. So again, in a situation when our emotions come up, okay, they're a good interface, they're a good reference point. They're like, okay, something's going on here, and there's something in my heart that's not right, because my emotions, I'm not in control of my emotions here. But it's just simply a reference point. So somebody does something, I get angry. Well, anger's not the truth. Anger is just the manifestation of a deeper reality, of something that I'm believing, whether right or wrong. And so again, we need to step down to those deeper levels of what's going on in our heart. But if we are irresponsible with our heart, and we've already delegated that responsibility, we don't do that journey. It's stimulus, response, stimulus, response, stimulus, response. That's, that's our life. We're just kind of bouncing, bouncing, bouncing all over the place. Getting and everyone else is determining what's going on inside of me. It's not, how, it's not how you're supposed to live your life. Now, again, I have situations sometimes. I had, you know, even more recently where I don't like conflict. I'm quite a, um, probably like a peaceable kind of person. Like I just, I don't like confrontation when it's bad confrontation. Like I don't mind talking about stuff and going through things, but when there's, you know, and if people are angry and violent towards me, um, like it, it bothers me. <laughs> but um, so I was even, you know, uh, more recently, and I would, I would be, I've, I've been started praying over my, my amygdala and my hippocampus. 
So we learnt in the uh, trauma uh, conference we did last year. So they, they, they don't fully understand the exact kind of purpose of these different parts of the brain, but there are two parts of the brain, and one is like, so trauma, memory, and, and trauma response is kind of, they believe is contained in this part of the brain. So it's something where, particularly even from childhood trauma, um, it's almost like a, um, a pathway gets created in this part of the brain, so then even as an adult, in a situation, all of a sudden, anxiety and fear and this, you know, fight or flight or whatever it, thing goes on, and it's actually just... It's, it's kind of like that situation sparks that memory bank, that trauma memory bank in your brain. And so you start then responding to a situation, almost like, I feel trapped or I feel whatever it might be. And the reality is if the current situation might not be the case, but it's just simply the trauma from that past is getting brought up in that situation. So again, we can feel like all of those emotions going on, but it's so important that we first ask, God, what is going on in me? What am I responsible for? In what way have I given over responsibility for my internal world to another person? Matthew 5, 8, this is in the message, says, You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. This is the blessed of the pure in heart, for they shall see God. But I love this, this wording of it. You're blessed when you get your inside world your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. Jesus was free. He was free to feel emotions, but he was never controlled by those emotions. He was fully engaged with those around him, but he never let their behavior dictate his behavior. So he was fully engaged. He wasn't disconnected. So, well, I'm, I'm going to put this big fence around me and not let anybody have any influence over me. So that's another way to shut down growth in maturity is to put a, a boundary, which is not a boundary, it's a barrier which keeps you locked in and keeps other people locked out. Okay? So that's not what we're talking about here. It's about fully engaging with people and in the midst of that full engagement, having the maturity to say, when something gets sparked up in me, I take responsibility for me. And through that process, I grow. Because I know I'm not actually in bondage or slavery to anybody. Even though I might feel, they might do something and it stirs something in me, but that's because there's brokenness in me. And that revelation allows me to be healed. But again, I think people can go from relationship to relationship or community to community, never getting healed because they live in this place of delegated responsibility. Well, I came to that church and nobody talked to me. So I felt rejected, so I left. Because okay. it's other people's responsibility to make you feel a particular way, to make you feel accepted. Now, I'm not talking, I'm sure that, yeah, maybe the people could have been more aware and maybe they could have been re reached out more and all that sort of stuff. But if, if I come into a place, people don't behave in the way that I expect them to, they don't meet my emotional needs and I get offended by that, guess whose responsibility that is? yeah it is but how often and do we just have this perpetual thing in people's lives and they never get healed because they go from relationship to relationship to relationship saying oh will you, will you take care of my internal world and people unwillingly do no no you didn't do a good job i'm, I'm taking it back i'm going over here maybe, maybe you'll do a better job at, at, at taking responsibility for what i'm responsible for 
no, no, you didn't ring me enough. Okay, I'm going to go over here. Oh, maybe you'll, yeah, maybe you'll be. No, no, that's it. It's my birthday. I didn't see any status update on my news feed from you. Actually, I don't think I did. No, no. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like it's, it's where, where <laughs> it's doing it now. You know, we're, 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 we're looking around. Somebody, somebody's got to care for my heart. Somebody's got to love me enough into healing. It's like, no, it's not their responsibility. Now, again, people can be the hand and the face and the words of God in your life to speak healing. But again, they, you, it's not like you can't... Um, if you want to have an operation done, generally, when you get an operation done, so if you get a knee replacement, generally, they don't cut your leg off here and here, take the knee, ship it away to China and get it worked on, get it all upgraded, then a few weeks later, ship it back and put it back in again. Generally, it stays attached to your body. So if you want heart healing, the reality is, no, no, you've got to keep hold of it. You've got to be responsible. And then you allow other people to speak life and healing and health into you. But at no point do I delegate that responsibility and say, well, I'll give it to you and hopefully you'll heal it and maybe you'll help and maybe you'll do that. No, no, no. It's because you're being irresponsible and it's never going to work. But say, so, no, no, okay, I'm wounded and I'm broken and I fear rejection. I'm so insecure and I hate, I, just, I struggle to be around people and all this sort of stuff. Okay, so I, I need to find a safe place and a safe community where I can be broken, but I can never let go of the responsibility for my internal world, but I can let people in. And I struggle to trust, but just maybe that one person, okay, can you come in and help me to be responsible for my heart, to help to speak healing and life into me? Okay, but I'm not going to give it to you. Because you do, you will defile people with that expectation. And you will make them out to be the enemy. You'll make them out to be the bad guy. Because you've given over responsibility for your internal world. And nobody can sustain that. Nobody can, can sustain that level of responsibility. I could love you to the best of my ability and it still may not be enough. I don't like it. I don't like being put in that situation. And your senses sometimes like, oh, ho, ho, ho. Hold on a second here. I'm not responsible for you. And people who don't understand, they don't receive that well. Luke 6.37 Jesus says, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So again, this is something where you've got to take responsibility for your internal well because whatever you give out is going to come back to you. Yeah, this is a principle that they teach in the Elijah House, one of the foundational Things is, is, you know, it's like the sowing and reaping. It's the giving out and then the coming back again. It's a spiritual principle. But again, we need to take responsibility because judgment's formed in your heart. Unforgiveness is a hard issue. But when it becomes projected out to other people, you put it out there, you're going to get it back again. So when we're in a situation when we feel a negative emotion or desire, our first port of call is to discern what is going on in our own hearts. We need to find ourselves on the map. Once we have found where we are, then we have the ability to move forward in the right direction. We must start by taking responsibility for our responses, even if they are only internal feelings and haven't been expressed. So even if you just feel something, go, okay, well, I didn't respond badly. I didn't, I'll just 
squash, 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 squash. And all, nom, 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 nom. Ah, oh, it's gone now. Well, it's not. So even if it's just, even if you're just feeling it, but you don't respond, you've still got to deal with it because it's there. If we are judging someone's behavior, it is really important that we acknowledge our judgment in order that we can repent, seek God's forgiveness, and move forward in love. Without that acknowledgement, we hand ourselves over to bondage. We, we've lost our responsibility, and we've handed that over. For me, you know, to be a, to be a free people is to be a free people internally. It's to be heart-free. And when we do that, then we start behaving in freedom. And the reality is that we're going to, as I said before, I can be free and you might not be free. And sometimes even that freedom will be the very thing that stirs somebody else up. Because they're like, no, 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 I'm giving my heart to you. I'm giving my heart to you. You've got to look after it. And you're like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to take responsibility for that. People don't know what to do. Well, I can't take responsibility for my own heart. Who's going to, take, who's going to look after me? There's no other alternative. Now, again, God is very present. He's dwelling in you, and he is the one who cares most about your heart. And that's why in that internal dialogue is you and the Lord going, God, you're the protector of my heart. You're the one who's, who's going to, you're the only one that can bring that healing. You're the only one that can be my security. But we've got to do that journey with God and take responsibility for our hearts. Let me pray. I just thank you, Father God, that you are forming us to be a responsible people, Lord. And Father, too often, Lord, we just acknowledge that in our lives and, and in your church even, God, the, the place that is supposed to be the greatest expression of love is filled with wounded people who aren't willing to take responsibility for their hearts, Lord. And so, Father God, we pray first for us, Lord. We take responsibility for our irresponsibility, God, of our hearts, Lord. But we also pray for your bride, God, that you would send a sweeping transformation, Lord, a grace for heart ministry, Lord, across the bride of Christ, Father, so that people can start going, no, I'm not going to be the blamer. I'm not going to shift the blame. I'm not going to hand over that responsibility. I'm going to own me. And between me and you, we're going, to, we're going to do a journey, God. And you're going to heal me of my brokenness. And I'm not going to rely on other people to do that. But Father, we will be open to relationship. We will be open to people speaking in. But Lord, it will be done right. Not in control and not in, in ungodly submission, Lord. But that we'd let the love of others speak into our hearts. We'd let the life and the, and the words of truth speak into our hearts. But even in that, Father, we would not be manipulated or controlled and we'd not just blindly uh, go with whatever someone else is saying. But, Father, even what I felt like you've taught me is that and I'll, I'll take that on board and I'll take it to God and we'll, we'll, we'll have a chat about that. And we trust you, Holy Spirit. You are the spirit of truth. And Jesus, you said you would send the spirit of truth to lead us into all truth. So we thank you, Holy Spirit. We just acknowledge your indwelling presence. And that you are here in us to do a heart journey, Lord. To lead us into all truth. And so I pray as well, you would just speak loudly to us this week, Father. Even, Lord, you would, you would um, awaken us when we use those words like, you made me. And we'd, we'd, we'd get caught in that moment and we'd say, no, 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 I chose. It's not you made me, it's I chose.
And then we get to be responsible and we get to be free. Thank you, Father. And Lord, I do pray, Lord, you'll be even showing us this week any areas, Lord, of our lives where we've handed over responsibility to other people, Lord, that we need to repent for and take back. And Father, I just pray a blessing over this community. In Jesus' name, amen.